welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that's floating on a chunk of Asgard somewhere out there in deep space. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And we are back again to analyze some aspects of filmmaking that sometimes get left by the wayside. Uh, before we get into that, I am going to let you know that you can, of course, find us at the nerdparty.com slash contact. Reach out to the show there. You can, of course, find us over on the social media networks at Join Nerd Party on Twitter, the Nerd Party on Facebook, and the Nerd Party on Instagram. On either th- uh, one of those three channels, go ahead and use the hashtag GreatShotKid to let us know you're talking about us. We would love to hear from you. So, uh, as we were getting ready to uh, talk about stuff tonight, I, I, I was kicking around. Something that has come to mind with me uh, again, and I, you know, we've, we've touched on this before, and we know his close personal relationship with George Lucas and everything. But with Ready Player One, the advance notices are now saying, hey, it's better than you thought it was going to be. You know, Steven Spielberg pulled something off here. We all thought it was going to be a disaster, but, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. You can go see it. And he, of course, just came off an Oscar nomination for The Post. And he, you know, he has quite the career. So I was thinking about it, though, while everybody's sitting there, you know, surprised that Ready Player One is good and people are going to go, want to go see it. Why is it? Spielberg is, of course, you know, he's a legend among filmmakers. Martin Scorsese, he's one of those guys, he, you know, he spits out a, a different type of genre movie every so often, um, but he's working constantly. You have Ridley Scott, who's personally trying, I think, what's his, he's trying to release two, six movies per month or something like that, where he just keeps, keeps working. He's the Energizer Bunny, name's always in there. Why is it that Spielberg is the one that seems unable to retain everybody's respect. What what what's the deal with that? I think it's a fault in uh, the audience more than anything. I have no idea. I'm super excited about Ready Player One because it's Spielberg. I mean, I'm I'm I've seen every single Spielberg movie. I will see every single Spielberg movie from now until the day I die, or he dies, whichever comes first, and. Yeah, I'm always excited. You know, yeah, there are some duds. But when you make 33 movies, you're going to make some duds. I think maybe the thing about it is, since he does make like two movies a year or whatever, there's, you know, it's not like an event, like like when Soderbergh, I'm sorry, it's not like an event, like when Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson come out with a movie because they're so infrequent. You know, it's like, ah, Ready Player One sucks. Well, he's already announced his next two, you know? Right. It's 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 not special anymore because he's so prolific, which, I mean, that's not his fault, you know? I mean, good for him for making a lot of stuff and trying a bunch of new stuff and squeezing movies in in the span of months just because you want to and, and all that stuff. I, yeah. I love it, you know? I, I can't quite wrap my head around it. And the thing is, I know that I've been uh, completely a victim of it as well. Because I'll, I I won't lie, now that the early notices are coming out, now I'm sort of getting interested in seeing Ready Player One. I just reread the book, and it's had a markedly different reaction to it the second time than I did the first time. I was a lot less forgiving of it. 
Um, it, it was very interesting. But it's definitely a material that is that's curious. It definitely seems to be a you know the the type of material like Jurassic Park is a book where Spielberg is going to be able to turn that into a mega blockbuster. And I read Ready Player One, and I would argue the source material isn't as strong. But if I'm thinking of people who are going to turn it into something that is true to the spirit of the original work without necessarily adhering to the original work, I'm going to think of Spielberg's name. Like, that's the one where I'm going to be like, okay, he's he's going to find a way to tease out the essence of this without making it, you know, a word-for-word word or beat-to-beat beat uh, sort of adaptation. So I I just, I, I don't know. I mean, wh- what other filmmakers are there out there that, don't get the respect that he, he like he deserves that respect what what other filmmakers do you think are out there that are in his class where it's like they're prolific they produce good work but they you know like nolan can do no wrong nolan walks on water for a lot of people myself included yeah but he also releases a movie once every two or three years you know okay i mean i, I would say the person who totally falls into that category who you mentioned is ridley scott I think mm-hmm. that he's like the prime example of this. I mean, he had two movies out last year, and they were hardly a blip on anyone's radar. True. Both of them were, were good, you know, to some extent. And, you know, he also, I mean, th- this is the other thing about, about like, well, both of these guys is, in my mind, while, while they're, they're always consistently good, you know, I mean, just kind of naturally this sort of happens, but, like, the best Spielberg work is what? It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, yep. it's these things which came out, you know, 30, 40 years ago in some cases. And in recent years, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, well, the post is on the same level as, you know, uh, Jurassic Park or something like that. You know what I mean? Because it's a different type of movie and everything like that. You know, it's made on a different scale and, and, and everything, and it's new. It doesn't have, you don't have, you know, time, your entire life to live with it, you know? I mean, now, and I just watched, I just saw four of them in a row, um, you know, his movies from the, like, early 2000s. It's like, it's been, like, 15 years now, you know? And those have sort of become classics in their own sense you know it's it's interesting looking at them with some distance and it's like this is now like classic spielberg but i remember when it came out and it was just the new spielberg movie you know right so i think that's going to take some time in some cases you know i mean i can certainly see some in recent years like reaching that status like lincoln and the post you know stuff like that with ridley scott i think it's a similar thing you know you think alien uh Thelma and Louise, I guess. I mean, Blade Gladiator Runner. for some people. Yeah, Blade Runner. You know, but like there's big stretches where the movies are kind of like, you know, a good year or uh, um, The Counselor, you know, like things like that where it's like, ah, you know, and then they come out and you're like, it's the new Ridley Scott movie. I mean, all the money in the world totally, I think, falls into that category. And then you look at like, the, you know, his alien sequels or prequels or whatever. And it's like, uh, this is kind of a watered down version of what he was doing back in the day, you know? 
So, but he still is capable of producing, you know, classic material. I mean, Hannibal, I think, is a masterpiece. I mean, I guess that's not super recent, but oh, see, I, I, Hannibal, I don't <laughs> think is a masterpiece, just because I did. I really didn't care for the ending. I thought that the ending was not true to. Uh, I'm not even talking source material. I thought that the ending wasn't true to where the movie felt. It felt like he forced it to go a certain way as opposed to taking it where it wanted to go. That was my impression with the ending of Hannibal. I love the ending, but this is me, I guess. Um, You know, it's interesting, though, because the the Spielberg work that I've tended to go to bat for that I think gets swept under the the rug a lot is Munich. I think that Mm -hmm. is an absolutely... Like, that that affected me to this day. It affected me... The same way when I finally saw uh, years ago uh, Dog Day Afternoon, where I didn't realize how much the movie had me until it was over, and I had to like pull myself back out into reality. And I was like, "Wow, I totally like." I, I think that Munich is of any of his movies that have been done in the last couple of decades. I think that's the one that, when film classes are taught when we are old men, you know, people are going to look back and be like, "Yeah." People kind of slept on Munich a little bit, but this is his. This is a calling card for Spielberg right here because I I thought that there was so much about it that was, it felt like a Spielberg movie, in one sense, but it felt like something he wouldn't normally do. It felt a lot more, and it, this is difficult to say because he's done Schindler's List, which is a very deeply affecting film, but it still has that coda at the end and that was sort of the thing that I had a problem with with Minority Report as well was there's this last minute or two at the end or AI what he did with AI where it's like the Spielberg ending where it's we're going along and oh my gosh this is absolutely spellbinding artistic oh and you had to pull the happy ending out somehow didn't you you had to let me walk out with a smile on my face come on man I mean, I don't think that you're necessarily walking out with a smile on your face at the end of AI. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, it's he, he got to have one last day with his mom who he'll never see again for the rest of his life because she's dead. But it's still not that the ending that I think that movie called for, which was him sitting there praying to you know the 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 angel statue and just the camera pulling back and things going out and that's it that's the no, ending because, that that movie needed no because you needed the you needed to see the evolution you needed to see where the robots evolved to you know because i mean that's like the whole thing where he's like this is the you know the potential and then we see where they got eventually Mm. And they're the new life forms on the planet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I didn't agree. But, you know, what do I know? What do I know? So I don't, I don't know, though. I mean, it's like I still I, – I think there's a part of me, too, that still harbors, although I don't think he ever would, not for I, – I mean, I think just as a baseline reason, he would never do a Star Wars movie just because it's – I, I think he very much feels like it's Lucas's, like he doesn't want to touch it. Yeah. I think that if Lucas had held on to the series and decided to 
you know, do what Disney is doing with it or something like that, I bet you modern day he could have talked Spielberg into coming in and doing a film. Maybe, but I don't think he would have wanted him to. You know, I mean, I think Lucas has said that where he's like, you know, Spielberg's got Indiana Jones, but Star Wars is mine, you know? Yeah, but he, at the same token, he wanted Spielberg to direct Return of the Jedi. It feels like unfinished business. I guess so, but I think that a lot has happened since then, you know? Mm, okay. I that's mean, you a fair figure point. when they were having those conversations was probably right around the time that Raiders was coming out, right? So it's like they're just buddies, but. Mm. Well, well wouldn't have that been, I guess, would it have been Raiders? Yeah, I guess they would have been going into. Yeah, they would have been getting ready to go into pre production right around this the time like Raiders pre- is coming out. This is like pre-ET, you know, yeah. and everything like that. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's true. I don't know. So, uh, all right, what what are your what are your top three Spielberg? What are, somebody says to you, I want to see three Spielberg films. What's your essential Spielberg? Boiled down. Yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day because, like, you know, watching Minority Report and stuff for the first time in like eight years. I was like, um, maybe it doesn't hold up as well as I thought, you know? I mean, number one is Raiders, without a doubt. That's an absolute. Not Jaws? No. Jaws is middle for me. Jaws never really grabbed me. Like, I, I thought, you know, maybe I saw it too old. I was, like, in high school, you know, and it was like... When I had entered the phase of like, oh, well, Spielberg, he's great. Let me see what else he did. You know, and I watched Jaws and was like, oh, that's cool. But I've never, I've never, like, I mean, just to give you an idea, like, I, I, I'll, I'll go see, like, anything when it's out, right? I mean, like, for example, they're like, oh, we're showing E.T., uh, Minority Report, War of the Worlds, and AI. And I'm like, I'll sit through all four of those, you know? Just yeah. back to back. But as many times as they've shown Jaws, and they've re-released it in 4K and 35 millimeter and everything like that, I've never once been like, I'm going to go see that. I've always been like, nah, I'm Interesting. Good. Interesting. Because yeah. I, I do love Jaws. I think Jaws is great. Mm-hmm. I also think, though, if you take Robert Shaw out of it, it's not as good. <laughs> So yeah. I don't know if that speaks to maybe uh, an underlying, well, I mean, or Dreyfus, but, but I mean, the same thing you could say that about any film, but like, I honestly think that the magic, the magic there is that tension that actually existed between Shaw and Dreyfus, I think yeah. really creates some of the magic that happens, uh, you know, on, on screen and all that. You mentioned War of the Worlds, and I definitely think that's one, I, I mean, I saw that in the theater, I thought that was really cleverly done, really good yeah. and enjoyable and i think that's another one people have slept on yeah for sure yeah yeah and it holds up pretty well um yeah I, I don't like it as much as i did back then but you know seeing it now for the first time in probably like 10 years you know i thought i thought it was really good um, so i but the okay so you've got you've got minority report is one of your three no um i think it's probably Raiders, Last Crusade, and Lost World, probably. Those would be my three. Really? Yeah. Raiders, Last Crusade, and Lost World. I, I will I would go with Jaws. Definitely Raiders is in there. No doubt. Raiders is an absolute masterwork. Um 
But for his third, I would probably I, no, definitely not. Lost. You know my feelings on Lost World. I, I'd probably, I honestly would probably throw Munich in there. I, yeah. I do. I think Munich is one of his top three, for sure. I, I like I liked Munich, but I haven't seen it since the theater. Here's an interesting little tidbit, which means absolutely nothing, and you know, whatever. It's just a little anecdote. Yeah. But um, when Munich came out, I was a projectionist in a movie theater. And along with with my friend Max, and uh, we get the print, and then we get like an email or whatever, saying, "Don't put the last reel of the move of the of the movie on the print." Okay, that we're going to be sending you a new last reel. It's going to be coming separate by via special courier or whatever. You know, just. To disregard the one that's in the can and put this one on instead. So we're like, okay. So we did that, you know, and then we watched the last reel and you were paying very close attention to it. And then afterwards, of course, we were like, well, what's the difference? Well, let's find out. So we ran the, uh, the rejected last reel and we watched the last 20 minutes of the movie all over again. And we were like, we don't know what the difference is. We cannot see a single thing which is different. We thought maybe it was the color timing. Maybe it was an effect which wasn't done. We couldn't tell. So the only thing that I can think of is there's something in the credits which was changed. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. But, but I will say with the terminal, I saw an advanced screening of that. And it had an ending, Right. And then when the movie came out two weeks later, it had a completely different ending. It really? went from, yeah, the original ending, I forget what, exactly what happened, but it was kind of like a downer. Like things didn't work out and something and he didn't get the girl or whatever. And then in the new one, like, I, I just remember Catherine Zeta-Jones like pulling up in a taxi or something like that. Like yeah. that wasn't in the original ending. They had done, and, and then you know you you heard something about last minute reshoots and everything. And this is back when things were on film, where you couldn't pull in all the money in the world. So right. I don't know exactly how they pushed that through so quickly. But when I saw the movie, like two and a half weeks before it came out, Terminal had a much different ending than what was released in theaters, like a complete one eighty in terms of like the tone. It was like a a sad ending is instead of a happy ending. But doesn't that speak to exactly what I was talking about earlier, where Spielberg pulls his punches. He likes to pull the punch in the, at the last second. I mean, he does. And I, his, his strongest works in my opinion, don't do it. Like Raiders doesn't pull the punch. You might, you might be dismissive and be like, Oh, well it has, yeah, it has a happy ish ending, but it doesn't, it doesn't end in any other way than like, well, this is, kind of still grim because now you know government bureaucracy has a hold of this you know terrible secret that could destroy all of us sort of thing um munich doesn't pull its punch you know i i don't know i i think that uh i think he has a tendency to maybe that's maybe that's what informs people with their opinion about him is that they don't like that he 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 won't give it to him he won't sock him across the jaw at the last minute i don't know i mean you know Spielberg is known for making crowd pleasers, right? And so I think, you know, most people do like the the happier endings, and you know you can't mm. can't uh, 
argue with success. I mean, his movies are still huge. Very true. Now, but speaking of, of success and crowd pleasers and everything, something that you and I tend to talk about, especially on this show, are people who are innovators in terms of technology. Spielberg's name never comes up in terms of being an innovator on film. He's a terrific filmmaker. Don't take anything away from that. But I don't ever hear about him pushing any envelope. I think he did along the way. I mean, you know, Jurassic Park for sure, I think is is always talked about. I mean, the advancement of CGI. I mean, that was a huge leap forward. Not to mention, you know, what he's done for sound with Jurassic Park again, being the first, you know, DTS movie and everything like that, you know. Um, but, I mean, there's subtle things. But, you know, like I, like I, I was just talking on uh, my other show, Film Damage, about Minority Report and how when you look at the effects in there, especially compared to AI, which was a year earlier, it's very sort of innovative in terms of things that now are just kind of standard. And they're not like flashy things. They're just things where it's like, whoa, that's cool. Like camera shake, you know, mm-hmm. like when I want to, you know, like that kind of thing. So I think there's there's that to it. But yeah, but I mean, I think his, his real strength lies in his skill, not 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 necessarily his innovation, but his like skill with with the medium. I mean, and, and I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I need to like rewatch these things and see. But like, I just read a thing where Paul Thomas Anderson, who's a huge Spielberg fan, was talking about the post. And there's like a scene in a living room with like seven characters, and they're all shouting back and forth at each other, like passing around papers, you know, trying to put this thing together. And he talks about how the staging in that scene is like masterful, the way that the camera moves in relation to the actors with the dialogue and everything. And it's like everything is in perfect harmony. And like, that's something which when you're watching it, you would never notice it if you weren't looking for it because it is so seamless, you know, Mm -hmm. but like he does it effortlessly, you know? Do you think that his style has changed in, I mean, I think his style has changed definitely ever since, uh, I, I always butcher the pronunciation. Janusz Kaminski is that? Yeah, yeah. That or is it Kaczynski or no? Janusz Kaminski. Janusz Kaminski. Yes. Kaminski. Uh, there's like he's latter day Spielberg, you know, director of photography. Do you think that the shift in tone? Do you think that he's had an influence on Spielberg, or do you think that Spielberg gravitated toward him because he delivered something Spielberg was looking to move in a direction toward? Yeah, it's really weird because like there is a like a look associated with older Spielberg movies and it seems to be very saturated in terms of colors, you know, like lens flares and stuff like that, but but all in in sort of a very glamorous, glossy way. I mean, whether you're talking about Close Encounters, you know, mm-hmm. with Vilmos Sigmund's photography or Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Jurassic Park or whatever, there's a Spielberg look and it's like super clean and super, you know, glossy, I guess is is the word that I would use to describe it. And once Kaminsky comes in with Schindler's List, now Schindler's List is an outlier because it's in black and white and everything, but the big shift, I mean, like, if anyone wants to look at the shift and just be like, oh, wow, you know, how much it's changed... 
compare Jurassic Park to The Lost World. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. movies which were made essentially back to back, you know, same franchise and everything, but you know, same director and everything, but, you know, the new cinematographer. And what Kaminsky brings to the table, I think, more than anything, is a, a much more desaturated look. Um, yeah. It, the colors seem washed out. Everything seems a bit grainier. And there's yeah. like a higher contrast, you know, um, and, and I, and he, he is capable of the gloss. I mean, you look at, um, Jerry Maguire, which he shot for Cameron Crowe, like that's like the glossiest movie you've ever seen, you know? Yeah. I, but he doesn't have that really in the Spielberg movie so much. And I kind of think that Spielberg just saw it, saw what he was doing in Schindler's List or, or in, um, uh, you know, uh, Lost World, and was like, "This is what I've always wanted my movies to look like," you know. And and it's weird because he is very loyal in terms of his crew members. I mean, Michael Kahn, his editor, he's basically worked with almost exclusively since at least Raiders, maybe before that, but. You know, his cinematographers for the first, you know, like 20 years were just bouncing around all over the place. And then he finds Kaminsky in 93, and he's been working with him ever since. And I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I, and and I, I think that the, the, the thing which strikes me about it is, like, in terms of the camera movements and everything, in terms of, like, the the compositions and stuff, it's all very much in keeping with the earlier movies, but in terms of like the actual image on the screen with like the color and the grain and you know the the high contrast lighting and everything like that is very different, you know? Yeah. It's almost like he like Spielberg continues to move the camera, but he's got, you know, Kaminsky doing his thing with the lights and yeah, I, don't know. I, I really like that contrast a lot. So, so here's a question though, because I've I've made the argument that with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I consider unfairly maligned on the whole, um, I I really think that this whole shift toward Kaminsky and this more uh, uniform look, you know, this this working with one guy. Uh, as opposed to, you know, like you said, getting people that worked with him to deliver a look. I think that his sensibilities have changed. So, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's going to be another Raiders movie coming out. And there are people who are trepidatious because they didn't like the fourth one. I'm trepidatious because I honestly think that one of the things that didn't resonate is because his sensibilities are markedly different than when he made Raiders, than when he made Last Crusade. Something... And I don't think it's bad. I'm not saying something bad happened. I'm saying that something changed about him, about what he wanted to do. And so I think when he comes back to an Indiana Jones movie, he's not coming at it from the same mentality that informed those first three. I mean, that's probably true, but would you really want him to? I mean, do you think Lucas is no. with the prequels? I definitely don't no. think he is. No, I don't think so. I just think that I think that people should be more realistic about the fact that it's an impossibility to get, you know, I, I I think that one of the things that killed Crystal Skull's reaction was people were expecting that Spielberg to come back. And it's sort of like, by the time that comes out, it's like, that Spielberg's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. 
the guy you're getting this Spielberg doing an Indiana Jones movie. You're not getting that guy doing an Indiana Jones movie. You know. And uh, I mean that's definitely true. <laughs> I just saw this thing online. I'm sure you probably saw it too, where it was like a like photoshopped picture of like Han from Force Awakens and Luke from Last Jedi like standing next to each other, like getting ready to go into battle or something. And like someone tweeted it and said like this is the movie we wanted. And, you know, it went viral or whatever, and someone responded with um, the same thing we saw before, just with older actors or something like right. that. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be different. You know, it's not going to be. And, and obviously that's why people's expectations with all of these things are unreasonable because, you know, they're hoping for one thing, it's impossible to recreate that thing. If they try to do it exactly, it's going to be worthless. And if they stray at all, it's going to be different, even if it is better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky thing to do. And, I mean, I don't know. Uh, is is he capable of doing it? Sure. I, I mean, he's Spielberg, right? W- would yeah. I like to see someone else try to tackle Indiana Jones and see what that's like, you know, like a, with a reboot? Yeah, I would, but, you know, we'll get hmm. that sooner or later. No, see, I definitely don't want that. I don't want a reboot of the series at all. I, I don't want, uh, like, I I think people know very much that I, I wish, if wishes were fishes, that Lucas were still involved with Star Wars because, like, it was a single artist's work, and I dig that. And I do think that Indiana Jones, I just, I, I don't think that the alchemy is going to be there. I mean, Indiana Jones is born out of two guys who were walking on water in terms of the industry, getting together. It, it was chocolate and peanut butter coming together. If you reboot it, it's, you're never going to get that energy. Like, it's not going to be Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones is born out of these guys. You know, their brains made that. And so it's not Indiana Jones. Make something like Indiana Jones. Fill that niche. Fill that need. Fill that desire. But you're never going to get back there. It's never going to be, you know, I mean, we're just talking about how Crystal Skull, like that Spielberg doesn't even exist. So even Spielberg directing it, it's not the same thing anymore because people change. I don't think it's going to be the same thing. But, you know, I I, I am intrigued by... In the same way that we've seen this with James Bond, in the same way that we've seen this with Batman, you know, and everything else, you know, we're now at a point where there are a generation of filmmakers which grew up on Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and I'd like to see their interpretation of the character who, you know, was designed to be a very serialized character from the beginning, you know? Yeah. I will say that the Indiana Jones franchise lends itself more to the way that uh, they're approaching the Star Wars movies now than the way they're approaching the Star Wars movies now. Um, And by that, I just mean they've said, you know, there's no big plan. People are just coming in, they're doing what they do and, and you know, they're, they're making their own thing. Not saying that's a good or bad. It's just what it is. But to your point, you could sway me more on Indiana Jones by pointing that out and being like well it's supposed to be a serialized character so you get different takes and stuff like that i yeah i mean he because he does have james bond roots as a matter of fact wasn't it um it was 
I, I'm trying to recall, it was Spielberg who won the argument because, if I recall correctly, Lucas wanted him as more of a playboy, wanted Jones as more of a playboy, and Spielberg w- was the one that wanted to make him more of a, you know, one girl, one, you know, one girl at a time type of guy uh, than, than Lucas did. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I just remember, you know, it all came about because Spielberg wanted to do Bond and they wouldn't let him. So Lucas was like, I've got my own Bond. Let's do this ourselves. And, and Star Wars was born out of the fact that he couldn't get Flash Gordon done. Yeah. So let's start telling filmmakers they can't do things for a franchise and see what they do. Wouldn't and, that I be mean, something? you got filmmakers who are doing that too, of course. You know, I mean, whether it's, you know, Nolan or whatever. I mean, the Wachowskis with The Matrix for sure. Although now that's getting, uh, well, not rebooted, but, you know, expanded upon yeah. and everything. I mean, yeah. It, 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 we, you know, hopefully there will be new, fresh mythologies, you know, coming forward from, you know, new, fresh filmmakers, just like Lucas and Spielberg did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I mean, you know, as always, it's fun chatting about uh, about these things. And I don't know. So you're definitely going to go see Ready Player One on the Thursday show? Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and uh, it opens tonight. It's it's playing right now as we speak. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But the theater that I want to see it at, uh, for some reason, is not showing it on Wednesday. So I've got to wait until tomorrow, Thursday, to see it. So. You know, here's an interesting yeah. thing, though. I, I, I just saw this video online because, you know, it's always like, well, what, well, for me anyway, like, what format do I see this in, you know? Oh, that's right. Oh, geez. Spiel, Spielberg is, you know, so into film and everything like that, and he's talked about how he doesn't really like 3D and everything. So I thought, oh, well, they're just doing a conversion because they do conversions of everything, right? But I just saw this video, which I, I shared with our our nerd party team and um i don't know if you watched it or not no but i haven't yet it's i mean it's just a promo video for like real d 3d or whatever but it's really interesting because you know he's really excited about it like you know most of the time you can tell like you know like 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 or for example i just remember like the mummy and you know they're talking to alex kurtzman and kurtzman's like 3D is actually really good. I was surprised, you know, because I, I was like, uh, and then I saw it, and I'm like, that was good. I was, it's, 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 I, I would recommend seeing it in that format. <laughs> Whereas, you know, with with this one, Spielberg, for one thing, they 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 interview Spielberg, but they also interview like Roger Guyet and stuff like that, like the visual effects producers. And it's like, this is, you know, this seems really involved. And Spielberg's talking about how for, like, the real world stuff, he the, the 3D is very flat, almost non-3D. And then when it gets into the Oasis, it's really extreme. And then you've got, like, the visual effects guys going, like, yeah, you know, we'd be, like, watching a scene, and Spielberg would be like, can you make those coins fly closer to the people's faces? You know, like, stuff like that. And... He talks about how, like, it's an integral part of the storytelling and everything, and he mm. really gets into three... And, and, like, you can tell 
he's sincere about it. You know, I mean, like, there, there's people like, you know, well, Ryan Johnson, for example, with Last Jedi, where he's like, I'm not a big fan of 3D, but it looks really good. You know, where it's like, okay, yeah, he, he's never going to watch this movie in 3D again for the rest of his life. Yeah. But, right. but with this, I'm like, damn. You know, like, I, I'm going to go see it in 70 millimeter because, I mean, hey, it's 70 millimeter. How can you not? But, like... Which... Uh, which is, if I recall correctly, I, which you've pointed out, ironic because Spielberg essentially killed 70 millimeter with Jurassic Park. Yeah, because yeah. most big movies would get 70 millimeter releases back in the day. If not, not necessarily so much because the picture quality was so much better because they were like 35 millimeter blowups, um, but because the sound quality was so much better because they had magnetic sound which rivals, or as some people claim, surpasses uh, digital sound today, uh, whereas 35 millimeter was using optical uh, sound tracks, which were horribly bad, horribly bad. So, um, you know, it was a really big advantage to, to see a movie in 70 millimeter because it sounded so much better. You had 5.1 and, and all that stuff. So when Jurassic Park came out, they were that was the first movie with DTS, which was the digital sound format that Spielberg, I think, was co-funding. Um, but uh, they made like a bold decision to not release the movie in 70 millimeter, even though obviously Jurassic Park, huge blockbuster. Yeah. So, you know, when that went off without a hitch, they were like, okay, RIP 70 millimeter. We don't need this anymore. We've got digital sound. So, you know, now here we are 25 years later and, you know, 70 millimeter has made a resurgence. 70 millimeter is the new 35 millimeter because it is a, a thing now. It, it is like an event thing. And there are 70 millimeter projectors in place. There aren't that many 35 millimeter projectors in place. So people are like, whatever. If we're going to do it on film, we're going to make it special 70 millimeter. It's easier to release a movie on 70 than it is on 35 now. And Warner Brothers, with the whole Nolan thing, are very much um, in the 70 millimeter camp, so much so that they release basically anything that's even halfway big on 70 millimeter just to keep those projectors in place more than anything. So Ready Player One... 70 millimeter, 25 years after Jurassic Park didn't release its movie in 70 millimeter. So there you go. Now, will, will you be going to Carl's Jr. beforehand to have a Spielberger? <laughs> I don't think there's any around. <laughs> I think there's like one in the city or something like that. But Can, all right. But before I let you go, like I'm legitimately like brain hurty sort of thing where it's like, they do this joke, and they're like, hey, does anybody know how to get in touch with Steven Spielberg? It's like, oh, ha, 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 you're going to call him Steven Spielbergers. And then he releases a, a selfie video, cease and desist, guys. And it's like, that that can't be real. That This has got to be just to get people, that this is going to happen, right? Like, It seems so weird because, I mean, like, like, at first they were going back and forth with Warner Brothers on Twitter, where Warner Brothers was like, not going to happen, guys. Stop. You know? But like they had like Carl's Jr. has like a fully produced like commercial that looks like it was co-produced by Warner Brothers because it's using all sorts of weird, like very, very 
Ready Player One like effects and stuff like that. And maybe yeah. they were just like, let's do this, who cares? But to me, it I mean, everything about this seems like it's like some sort of no no national chain is going to risk getting in trouble or have it like seriously like risk their their future endorsement deals or tie-ins or something like that like we live in such a manipulated age that it's like it's almost but i really think it speaks to the fact that like what it you know because i you shared it in the nerd party group and then like i tweeted it out and i just i put my little comment on it which was like what is real anymore i don't know yeah oh is this a gag is this for i i can't tell like maybe maybe that's the whole gag because that's the whole thing about ready player one is the oasis is reality or is the reality oasis or is reality better or worse than the oasis and so maybe that's the whole thing who knows and and the, the responses too i mean the fact that like steven spielberg posts a selfie video to say cease and desist right no he's going to call up his lawyer and his lawyer is going to tell them to cease and desist right exactly exactly i don't know why didn't they do soda burgers for the release of unsane uh for some reason i think those wouldn't have played uh especially well Hmm. um but the possibilities are endless if they pull this one off i think yeah yeah but we're uh, we're gonna find out if uh, Spielberg pulled off Ready Player One and uh, adds to his impressive uh, works or his lesser works. Um, but in the meantime, Mike, where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me um, on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my new website, FilmDamagePod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we take a look at uh, um, movies from the perspective of the booth. And in this week's episode that just released, uh, we talk about Spielberg's science fiction movies in particular. So, uh, and we also talk about how to interlock a print, run it in six projectors at the same time. So uh, awesome. head on over to filmdamagepod.com or find us on iTunes at Film Damage. And uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. And of course, you can find me as Kessel Junkie out there, and you can find me right here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing or co-hosting Wars with Nerds with my pal Craig. So until then, we will see you next time on Great Shot Kid. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.